Welcome to Take Your Stand, the podcast of Here I Stand Ministries. I'm your host, Luke Seibert. Let's explore more of what it means to live out the gospel by clinging to the Word and to one another. It is good at various times throughout our lives to pause and to look back and to see how God has brought us through various trials that we've gone through and to look back at his faithfulness and the lessons that he's taught as we as we grow in Christ and also as we seek to to continue on with that, to pursue Christ each day and to follow him. And the day that this podcast episode released, it'll be seven years uh, to the day since I lost my sight in the car wreck. And so I, I want to take the time today to share a little bit about that, but and about things that God has been teaching me over these past seven years and how he's continuing to, to do that even now. So se- seven years ago, um, on March 14th, I was a carpenter. That was what I was doing, had I gone through trade school for, and I loved it. I, I couldn't imagine ever doing anything else besides that. But driving home from church one night, uh, we we're having revival that night at church, and I was driving home and uh, it's only about five minutes away from the house when a moving truck across uh, the center lane and struck my my truck and um, broke my arm and caused caused instant blindness um, through the the injuries to my face broke broke several bones a lot of bones in my face and jaw in several places and the paramedics didn't even think I was going to make it 30 minutes to the hospital and and uh, they they came and they they took me in an ambulance. They didn't, they didn't call a medical flight, but they, they got me to to the hospital there, and the doctors were able to get me stable and um, did be able to do some do some surgeries there, getting me prepared for that. And uh, that time, my, my family heard about what was what was going on, and my parents came there, and other people were able to help take care of my uh, siblings during that time and over the next couple of days the doctors are trying to figure out where am i going to go uh, was i going to go down to to birmingham still here in alabama uh, keep keeping it things within alabama or up to vanderbilt the lord orchestrated it so that i could go up there to vanderbilt and in each step of this process he had the right people in those positions uh, the right trauma doctor there in in huntsville to be able to take care of things there and the right a surgeon up in vanderbilt who was able to do uh, one surgery or reconstruction surgery instead of multiple ones over multiple years, but was able to go up there to Vanderbilt, had a few more surgeries there to with my arm and my face, and again transferred to Stallworth uh, Rehabilitation Hospital up there. And that's where my memory picks up. You know, I, I remember leaving church and making a few minutes down the road, and then I remember being in rehab. So I don't remember anything that happened in the about two weeks period about a week and a half period there i've got a, kind of a gap memory gap there <clears throat> but i remember being in rehab doing therapies and things and not being able to see but it, the thought never crossed my mind that i was blind um, i think my family had been telling me that you know before but i don't i don't remember it it didn't stick in i kind of took it for granted that okay i'm here i know i was in a car wreck and i'm going to be going home and that was all I thought about. I didn't realize, I didn't stop to think about, okay, why don't I see? Until one day, one of the uh, doctors came in and uh, said that they had done some tests and that my, my blindness was permanent. And that's for me where, where my world came to a stop. And I was like, okay, what in the world is this? What, is it, what does this mean? Uh, what was, 
how, how can I live without seeing in terms of I can't be a carpenter, I can't do this, I can't do that, all these dreams and things that I had. And I was like, what what in the world? Really trying to grasp, grab hold of that. But uh, I just wanted to, to get home and deal with it. So I, I didn't take the time to really sort through that emotions and to deal with it there. I just wanted to push through my therapies just to get home and do that. And still kind of thinking, okay, I, I, life can still go on and try to make it happen in the way that I, I wanted to and still to try to carry out my dreams. But so I was, I was able to do that to, to be able to come home there within just about a month after the wreck, make it back, make it back home and uh, be able to learn, starting to adapt to this life of blindness, starting to use a cane and some of the other non-visual techniques with just daily, daily life. And I, I still tried to act as if things hadn't changed, as if I still what uh, still could see you know some of the things i wanted to do some of the things i tried um, as if as if I, I i wasn't blind and got frustrated when that that didn't happen as i continued to try to pursue some of those dreams over the next few months and just found more and more doors closed to me i just i began to wrestle even more with why lord why did why did you permit this to happen and i even tried bargaining with god saying okay god i'll i'll do that I'll, I'll give this up or I'll, if you'll just let me see again, you begin to really wrestle with it because I didn't really believe that life could go on if I couldn't see. So life continued like that for, for a few months and uh, my family, my church family really came around me, were extremely supportive and showing showing love through this time. But I didn't fully open up about some things. I kept a lot of it and I did, I did some, but really was uh, keeping it inside until one day I was just sitting out on my front porch and just try to listen to music, but I just kept thinking through everything that would happen. That I, on the one hand, I had my dreams that I had before. I thought I had my life completely planned out, what was going to happen. And then my current situation and the incompatibility between those two. And finally, I began to just, I remember looking up towards the sky and asking God, what did I do to deserve this? You know, I thought I was somehow being punished or I had done something to, to, to bring this upon myself. And I couldn't understand why this had happened and just cry out like lord what did i do to deserve this and i, I felt him just impress upon me that this is not about you and i wonder with that's like what what does that mean that this is not about me uh, but he just he just kind of impressed that upon me he's like this is not about you and i need to trust him it's okay i don't i don't know what this means but i, I want to do that and it took me a couple of days to, to really to wrestle through that and before the Lord directed me about what that meant or he started to direct me about what that meant um, I had gotten some paper from the Department of Rehab and had been writing things down that I wanted to be true about my life you know they I'm not bitter about this particular thing or I'm not angry that this dream will never happen and the Lord convicted me about that that I was trying to create truth instead of actually writing what was true um, and he directed me to Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which say, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he directed me by the, by the Spirit to say that the phrase, with thanksgiving. And he said, if you're going to write things down, write things that are true about me. And so I began to do that. I began just to, to write things down that I was thankful for about the Lord. Um, at first, they were pretty general things, like I'm thankful that the Lord has offered salvation. 
uh, things like that that are true about me, but about other people too. But as I begin to do that, I begin to become more and more specific as moving from broad generalities about God to how God had been working it in my life and how, what he was even going on in my situation, things for my family. And I wasn't telling people I was doing this. I was doing it just on my own. But as I did that over those next few months, the Lord really changed my heart attitude. Instead of looking at everything I had lost in my, in my sight um, and being bitter about that and uh, growing with discouragement, the Lord began to show me how thankful I, I was, uh, how thankful I could be for who he was and to rest in that and begin to restore my joy and begin, begin to change the direction of my steps and, and totally turn turn things around in that sense. And so I began to look at, what, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do now? And as I mentioned, the Lord began to change the directions of my steps. And you know, when I was a carpenter, I never imagined ever doing anything else than that. But through a series of events, the Lord had begun to, the Lord gave me an opportunity to, to be able to preach um, at, at our church I was going to. And I thought it was just going to be a one-time thing. You know, just kind of fill in one Sunday night, do my, quote, obligation, and move on. But the, the Lord had other plans and began to give me more and more opportunities to preach. And he gave me a desire to do that. That, you know, I, I, I used to be pretty nervous, like getting up in front of people, and I still can be. I still, that's one of the struggles that I have, but the Lord began to give me a desire to do that. And so I began to go back to school. Um, so I never, I didn't uh, expect to do right away um, and be able to get my bachelor's and now currently working on my master's at, a, at seminary for that goal of being able to preach. And um, even though I'm at a different church now, getting to, I still get to preach regularly um, d during that. And the Lord's continued to open doors and to confirm that calling and that even though I, I can't physically see in some of these dreams that I thought I, I had um, aren't, aren't going to happen, that's okay. If the Lord has shifted the, the desires uh, of my heart and has brought me closer to himself and continues to, 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 um, to lead me and provide for me and to, to show his, his faithfulness even through the, the storms that we've gone through. And so I just wanted to... Uh, to share that's kind of briefly about what what happened there, but uh, share, I want to share some other things about that the Lord has done and the Lord's been teaching has taught me through that. One of the principles that He He brought out clearly as we were reflecting upon that several years ago was that he, Jesus goes before us, and and what I mean by this is uh, that He prepared me ahead of time for things I was going to face, prepare my family. Uh, John ten verses two through four says this. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When, when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him, because they know his voice. There Jesus is speaking about himself, about being the good shepherd. That's one of the extended metaphors there in John 10. But the idea of going before us, preparing the way, leading the way. And the Lord had done that for me um, with what we had gone through. That before before the wreck, we had uh, recently moved um, from Cherokee to Ardmore in Alabama. So it's just about an it's about an hour and a half drive between the two, um, maybe a little bit more than that, depending on how some traffic is. But I was there. So uh, during that transition, I had bought a truck up here in Ardmore, so my license plate was 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 in uh, Limestone County. 
but my actual driver's license was still showed my address back in Cherokee because the Lord had allowed that to happen that I have a truck with a license plate here in Limestone was that my parents could be told about what happened because if they had taken my license plate and, and run that at the wreck, uh, they would have tried to go someplace where no one was living at the time the house was being empty was empty at that point yeah, the house there in Cherokee but because they had done uh, what they need to just put me in the ambulance real quick and then just got my address off my my license plate they're able to to be able to find my family and to contact them that way so something small like that but something the Lord had used ahead of time to prepare us for that another way was allowing my family to learn sign language several years before that point and I was still I was I had been brushing up on it right before I, I lost my sight so I was in the hospital um, at, right there at the beginning. My jaw had been wired shut uh, because, because of some of the, the injuries. And so I couldn't speak then. But the Lord had preserved my mind and allowed me to remember sign language, my family to remember it as well, so that when the doctors would ask me questions or I needed to respond, I was able to do finger spelling and my family was able to interpret for me that way. So that was how we communicated was that I, I would hear the Lord preserve my hearing and I respond through through finger spelling. And that was the way we communicated for a while. And just something like that, that seemed totally unrelated, but the Lord had gone ahead of us and prepared us for that. And he had even been preparing me for what the direction he's leading me now with uh, preaching. Something I did not see coming <laughs> at all. Um, but look, but talking to some people who knew me from before, they, they could see how the Lord was preparing me for that and had been leading me that way even though I was totally, totally uh, oblivious to it. But the Lord is with us and he leads us. And the path is that, that he leads us down is, is clear to him. Even though we may not see all the ways that he, he leads us or the maybe the changes in directions from our perspective, but it's all open before him. There's one verse that I've thought about. It's called, it's uh, Philippians, excuse me, Proverbs, <laughs> Proverbs 16, 9. It says, the mind of man plans his way but the Lord directs his steps. And that, that can be a comforting verse, that even though we may make these plans, they don't seem to go according to the way that we have, we've uh, intended or the way that we've imagined, that Jesus knows the, ways that he, knows the way that he is leading us. And he doesn't have to change directions or, or scramble to uh, take care of things that we may mess up or make mistakes. That he is fa faithfully leading us down the path that he has chosen. And we can trust him. He is trustworthy. And so even though we don't know all the ways that he is going to lead us, we can trust him as we seek to be faithful and obedient to him and fellowship with him each day that we know that he is going to, to lead us down that road. So those some reflections upon the things that happened uh, during during the wreck and, and adjusting the blindness there. We want to pivot here a little bit to talk about three lessons that the Lord's been teaching me over these past seven years. And still continuing to teach me in ways but lessons that have come up repeatedly over these seven years that the lord's been um, impressing upon me and showing me through what i've been going through and they all relate to to him uh to himself and how my relationship to christ uh the first one is that bringing glory to jesus and john chapter 3 verse 30 there john uh, the baptist has been baptizing and now jesus is starting to gain um some followers and so john's disciples are almost so jealous and they come to john the baptist and say to him they basically say like look jesus is gaining all these more followers he's gaining more followers than than you and john responds to them in john 3 30 he must increase but i must decrease and just that that focus that 
my that our whole purpose is to point to the Lord Jesus Christ and to to magnify Him. It, a lot of times in our lives, we we can try to get glory for ourselves. We can be glory stealers, as Paul David Tripp points out in Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, which is a great book by by the way. If you're looking for one to add to your reading list, but we can try to get glory for ourselves, and that doesn't mean that we're overt asking people to to honor us, but What's our, our heart attitudes is that we can do certain things with the expectation or hope that people are going to notice. People are going to applaud us or say something to us. Really, our attitude should be we want to make Christ known. We want to exalt him. And it doesn't matter what happens to us and that we should be seeking to bring him glory in, in everything that we do, whether it be, be big or even just in the little daily things of life or the things that he's he's gifted us in is that it's he's the giftings that he's given it's not anything about us and we should be using what he has entrusted to us for his glory to point people to him and to seek to make him known uh, another lesson that the lord's been impressing upon me is finding my identity in jesus colossians 2 verse 10 is a beautiful word a beautiful verse and the first part says and in him you have been made complete that's it. We we don't need anything else besides Jesus for our value, for our, our identity. There, the Paul was talking in Colossians. There was these uh, different uh, heresies that were coming to the church. Some of the uh, Greek higher wisdom thoughts. There was the, the the Judaizers saying, "Yes, there's Christ, but you also need to follow the law." There were all these other things that were being added to the gospel, and Jesus and and Jesus is enough. And that's what Paul was saying, is that you don't need anything else to add to the gospel. What Christ has done upon the cross, that's it. And your identity, your worth is found in him. Not that you have some type of secret knowledge or certain things that you can do. Your value is in Christ. And that had been a, that's been a struggle for me. The Lord's been re refining me over the past seven years is finding my identity in Christ. And I didn't realize this at the time before, but um, I had been finding my identity in other things and still at times can't, and still wrestle with that, that, you know, before I had found my identity in the fact that I thought my thought of myself as a country boy, I listened to certain music styles or as I was, or that I was a carpenter. And when some of those things were changed or the Lord began to expose some of my heart attitudes with that showing that those were all false forms of value, that they don't truly give value to who I am. They're not truly who our identity is in Christ. Nothing about us or things that we do for a believer gives them the identity, who their identity is. They've been made in the image of God. They've been bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where identity and value and peace with God comes from, is in the finished work of Christ and what he has done. It doesn't come from the fact of, I have these particular convictions or that I do these certain things. Rather, it's that we walk by faith with Christ. I'm going through the book of First Timothy right now, and over 17 times in that short book, the, the Paul uses the word faith. And there's some different nuances of how he uses it there, but that's, that's pretty frequently in that book. And he sets faith in opposition to just focus upon the law or aesthetic practices, and because those things give us a false sense of uh, false sense of security. We think that oh, because I am doing these certain things, I'm right with God. And that's that's not true. That we're right with God because of what Christ has done and our faith in him. And that we are to follow Christ. That does affect our behavior, absolutely. 
but our our identity is in Christ. Our security is in him and his finished work upon the cross. And um, then the, the third lesson, so that the first two, you know, being focused on bringing glory to, to Jesus, finding my identity in Jesus. And the last one um, is depending on Jesus. And this is a, a lesson that he's been bringing to the forefront, especially recently. First Corinthians chapter one, nine says this, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> that we were made for a fellowship with, with Jesus, the word being koinonia, that deep, intimate fellowship that we have. It's not that we just, okay, we praise Jesus on Sunday morning, then we they do other things throughout the rest of the week. But throughout each day, learning to fellowship with Jesus and what that means, depending upon him. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 12, nine, uh, verses 9 and 10 says this. Paul is talking about this thorn in the flesh that he has and how he had been seeking the Lord to deliver him from it. But he said this, and he said to me, and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And to really think about what is Paul, what Paul is saying there is that these difficulties and struggles that we go through, he's, he's content with that. He's okay with it because it's in those times of difficulty, in those times of weakness that we can't do it on our own. That Christ's power is displayed, and that's that's our goal is to to make Christ known, to to point to Him, and our weaknesses, our difficulties, the trials that we go through, show remind us how much we depend upon Him, and when He brings us through it, and people look at us and say, "I don't know how you did that," we can honestly say, "Look, it wasn't me, and there's I couldn't do this on my own." But let me tell you about the one who strengthened me to be able to do this. His name is Jesus, and that. The Paul is is content with that, and he's even going to boast about it, but what God has done in him. And he's saying that this is going to be an ongoing thing, that he talks about the, the he's content with weaknesses, with insults, difficulties. Those are all in the plural. That he's not just saying, okay, we're going to have an insult here or there, or we're going to have one big difficulty in our life. He's saying we're going to have multiple of all of these things in our lives. And that's okay because we're not dependent upon our own strength. We're depending upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is faithful. He will never let us go. And we should depend upon him each day. We're going to need him as we face temptations to be able to find that path of escape that God has, God has promised to provide. We need him as we seek to grow spiritually, that he, he has to do his work in us to grow us. We need him for wisdom, for decisions and things that we're going to face. We need to, him to direct our steps to lead us in the path that he has chosen. And that we can depend upon the Lord, and knowing that He, uh, that He invite, that He He does that for us, that He is there, He gives us grace, He is with us, and He will strengthen us for the road that He has chosen. I'm uh, reading a book right now by Dane Ortland, A Gentle and Lowly. It's um, still pretty early in the book, but it's been highly recommended, and it's been pretty thought provoking so far, and a lot of truth in there, reflecting upon the heart, of, as the subtitle says, the heart of, of the heart of Christ for sufferers and sinners. And so that's a, 
book that's developing that idea of dependency on Christ. But the Lord's been pointing that concept out in other ways uh, recently as well. But those are some lessons that he is teaching me that I don't know if he would have taught me in the same way or taught me um, as deeply had I not gone through um, what, I, what I went through. If I had not lost my sight and everything he's been teaching me since then. And I said he's he's been bringing these lessons to mind a lot. And there's been other ones that he's taught me over the past seven years. And I, he's still teaching me now. But wanted to to share those and to, to point out that though we go through difficulties, they're not pointless. That though we go through trials that seem to send us into a tailspin and we're bewildered and don't have a clue what God is doing in the moment. We can trust him. Knowing that he sees the path clearly, he's leading us, and he's not going to forsake us in the valley. That in Psalm 23, that uh, David says, you know, he he won't fear the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death, because he knows the Lord is with him. And it's not that the Jesus is standing on the other side and saying, okay, hope you make it through. He's right there in the valley with us, walking with us. And it, in that in that time, we're walking through the valley in Psalm 23. If you look at it, it's in that that verse, that part where it shifts from from a third person language to first person to, to, to a second person language. So at the far opening verses, David is just talking about the Lord. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me like that. And then he shifts there when he goes to the valley to say, you are with me. You prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. Where it, he grows closer to the Lord in the valley that he is going through and as the Lord brings him through that. So our trials can seem overwhelming at the time, but Jesus is not going to forsake us. He's going to, he draws us closer to, to himself as we learn to depend upon him more and more. And sometimes he uses trials to, to teach us that lesson. And uh, we'll look into an example of that from scripture, uh, Lord willing, next week. Um, again, coming back to, to the Gospel of John, uh, with John chapter 11, with the story of Lazarus there, and then some other things with Paul as well uh, in Second Corinthians. But just wanted to share that and encourage people that no matter what we go through, we can trust Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean that the trial is going to uh, all be removed and go back to exactly, you know, perfect ending according to human standards. But his way is so much better that uh, the, the dreams that I had, some of the things that I thought would be best to glorify God, um, they weren't. That he, he has changed that and he's showing me how he is uh, directing my steps other way. That I can trust that even if it doesn't seem to make sense to me, I still don't understand everything that, what God has allowed and why he has brought us through some things that he has but i know that he has a plan and he does and nothing just slips through accidentally and so we can trust him and so no matter what you may go through no matter what difficulty or trial you you may face you can trust jesus and he's going to be with you we may not always have a feeling of that closeness but we can know that he's never going to forsake us and just want to just encourage that and to um, share with some things the lord had, had done and was teaching me as i reflected back upon what he's been bringing us through. And I said, we'll dig into some scriptural, more scriptural examples uh, really next week of how the Lord's been with his people and how he uses trials for his glory. But uh, appreciate people listening to the podcast. Uh, if you appreciate well, the podcast, enjoy it. I can go in to leave a review or to give a rating to it. But until next time, read the word and take your stand. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope it was an encouragement and a blessing. To find out more information about Here I Stand Ministries, check out hisministries.com. Scripture quotations are from the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, 
Copyright 1971-1995 by the Lockman Foundation. Used by permission. All rights reserved.